Welcome to the Sunday message from Hollyview Church in Boring, Oregon. We gather every Sunday morning as a worshiping community of Jesus followers on mission to see God glorified in our lives, our cities, and around the world. At Hollyview, the Bible serves as our foundation and guide for both life and ministry. It tells the story of God and the story of us. We believe the better we know the themes and flow of the biblical story, the better we will be able to find our little place in God's grand storyline. Thank you for joining us. And now we conclude our study in the gospel according to John. We're in John chapter 21 as Pastor Joel Woodard brings us his message, The Greatest Gifts. Well, uh, let me just be a little honest with you. Last year, we set out the preaching schedule, and John 21 was supposed to be on the 18th, December 18th, and then this would be a great Christmas program day. But there was a lot of people that were going to be gone uh, on today, seeing family and going out, so we decided to move the... Uh, Christmas program to the 18th, which made, what am I going to do with John 21? We have to finish the book of, of John. And so John 21 landed on today, uh, just happened to be. But as I was studying it uh, and praying and meditating on it, I think there's a lot of divine sovereignty and that we're studying John 21 today on, on Christmas. Uh, so you just, you just have to hang in there with me and you'll, you'll, you'll see. Um, we come to John 21. We've been in a, a series all through this fall, uh, a chapter at a time through the gospel according to, to John, and we come to the very last one. It's almost like, a, a, like an epilogue. It's a tail end of John. He adds in uh, uh, something that, that we thinks we need to, to hear. But before we get to the message, let, let, me, let me tell you about one of the experiences I had uh, a long time ago. I was like 20 years old. Me and my friend Andrew Carmen, uh, we went over to the Czech Republic because we did mission trips over there and had friends over there. So we went over to the Czech Republic during Christmas time. Have any of you been to uh, another culture or uh, Leaven, like Leavenworth or somewhere different for Christmas time? Anyone been there? there the sights, the smells, uh, the traditions, they're, they're all so different and, and new. And when we went to the Czech Republic, uh, this was mid-90s, it was still under the blanket of uh, communism. You felt it. Uh, the, the West marketing hadn't come over. And in fact, they heated all the city of Prague with coal. So when it snowed, you can imagine the black coal that would be there. And, and so as we stepped out of the tram in Prague, the first thing I noticed was the smell of coal in the air. Uh, everything, was, everything was black, and you could just smell the, the coal. It wasn't pretty and all cleaned up like they have it uh, today. It was pretty, pretty dark and, and drab, and, and you, you just get this whiff of, of coal in, in the air. Now, they had these little booths set up, so we'd go around, and we would do some Christmas shopping there, and uh, it, it was super. I mean, Prague's a, a beautiful city. But one of the things I noticed more than anything else, and what marks Christmas for the Czech people, are these, like, blue tubs, and inside these blue tubs, there's water, and inside that, those water are huge carp. Any of you think of carp at Christmas time? <laughs> no, there have these, uh, every corner, there are these tubs and these carp, and families would come down, and they would buy a live carp, and they would take it to their apartment, and they would put it in the bathtub for days or weeks. Most of them lived in these little tiny apartments, and on Christmas Day, that was the day, uh, they would take the carp out, they would kill it, they would clean it, 
and they would bread it uh, in something, and then they would cook it in, in oil. Now just imagine what it would smell like <laughs> in that cold apartment block in Prague, Czech Republic. What, what would it smell like? Fish. For us, it's like, oh, that's weird. But for a Czech person, a Czech little boy or girl, when they saw the carp in the bathtub, what were they thinking? Christmas is almost here. When they smelled the fish, right? There's presents under the tree for me. I, I smell the fish, and I know there's a gift for me there. Well, now, the same way that a fish dinner invites a Czech person to experience Christmas. Today, we're going to see Jesus invite his disciples to experience a fish breakfast and receive the greatest gifts they could ever receive. Now, I don't know uh, if you've already opened presents or not. Uh, maybe you've already got the gifts that you were already on your list, or maybe they're at home and you're hoping you would get them. And maybe you got the best presents you've ever gotten before. But this morning, Jesus is going to offer you the three greatest gifts you could ever receive. Let me just say a little bit of something about a gift, because I know we've all experiencing that right now. Uh, this isn't, this isn't uh, rocket science or, or new information, but a gift is something that someone's already paid for. They've purchased for you, and they've given it to you, and they do not expect anything back. I'm sure uh, this Christmas morning there wasn't a receipt attached to the gift that you give. Here you go, that'll be $55. <laughs> That, that's, not a, that's not a gift. A gift is something that has been purchased. It's already been paid for, and you just have to joyously receive. That's a gift. And this morning, I just want to show you the three greatest gifts that Jesus offers you. Three gifts from John 21, the three greatest gifts that Jesus can offer. Here's the first one. The gift of redeeming grace. The gift of redeeming grace. This idea that Jesus can take your heartaches, your pains, your failures, your, your sin, your rebellion, and he can, he can somehow change that around for, for your good and his glory. This, this gift that he's already paid for, that we get to experience this grace. And in experiencing that grace, then we can give that grace to other people. What we receive as a gift, we should be given as a gift. And the grace that you've received, this redeeming grace that is, is changing our lives from one, to glory, one degree of glory to another, we can give to other people this grace received. But before we get there in our text, we actually have to set, up, uh, set it up with another story before that. And it's actually of, of Peter's greatest failure. Uh, it's written about in the Gospel of, uh, according to John. Uh, it's a couple chapters before. Uh, it's the last night. They've had the Last Supper. They go into the garden. They've arrested Jesus, and Peter's right there. Remember, he's got the sword. He's ready to fight. Uh, but Jesus says no, puts the ear back on, and then they take Jesus away to the high priest's house. And Peter's right there. He's following along. He's not ready to let, to let go yet. It's a cool night. Uh, he's not allowed in, but another disciple uh, is. And, and let me read uh, this, this story. It comes from uh, John 18, 15. Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter, Peter stood outside at the door. 
So the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the servant girl, who kept watch at the door, and, he brought, and they brought Peter in. The servant girl at the door said to Peter, Hey, you are also not one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I'm not. Now the servants and the officers had made a charcoal fire, because it was cold. And they were standing and warming themselves. Peter also was with them, standing and warming himself by a charcoal fire. Uh, we know the story. He goes on uh, two more times to deny him knowing or, or being a part of Jesus. He denies Jesus. Is, he's a follower of Jesus. He denies knowing uh, Jesus. In his greatest hour of need, Peter fails. Standing beside that charcoal fire, Peter hears the words that he promised he would never, never, never say. Even, even if all these fall away because of you, I won't, Jesus. Even if I have to die, I will never deny you. And then the words roll out of his mouth. I don't know him. Not me. Have you ever smelled charcoal before? It has a very distinct smell, doesn't it? Uh, Peter, as he is standing there, warming himself by the fire, is denying it, and this feeling of guilt and shame is mixed with the flavor of charcoal. You see, smell is one of the most powerful links to memory, more, more than any of the other senses. We see it in first responders uh, all the time. There, there's a crisis event, a powerful e event, and a smell is attached to it, even if they don't know it is. And it's the same for us as well. Hey, have you ever walked by somebody and uh, they're wearing the same cologne that your dad used to wear? And I'll, you're like, oh. Have you ever gone over uh, Mount Hood and you get into uh, the desert there and you smell the sage? And you're like, oh, it just brings back memories of vacation or travel or, or something. Maybe it's the cinnamon candles that your mom used to light at Christmas time. Peter, standing by this charcoal fire, denies Jesus. There's this pit in his stomach. He's, he's a, a failure. And in the gospel according to John, the relationship for Peter with Jesus, it actually, it actually would have just stopped right there. The only other thing we see is he runs to the empty tomb, but we don't know what happened with, with Peter. And I think this is why John adds this. We're, we're left wondering, what, what happened now that Peter is in the position he is? Was he restored? Is he back? What's going on? And so we get this uh, conversation with Peter and Jesus. They've been fishing all night. Uh, he's a fisherman, and they haven't caught a single thing. When somebody on the shore, about 100 yards off, calls, hey, throw the net on the other side, the right side. And so they do, and they catch all these fish. And John, who he dis discloses who he is at the end, uh, who John says, oh, I recognize him. And he tells Peter, it's the Lord. It's the Lord. John 21 and verse 7. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. Now the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place, 
with fish laid on it and bread. Peter hears that it's the Lord, and he's so moved to action. John's like, he was just so ready to go. He wouldn't even wait for the boat to go 100 yards. He's going to jump in. And, but John, he mentions something. But before he jumps in, did you see what it, he does? He puts on his garment. John notices it and writes it down. Before he jumps out in this like impetuous, I'm going to go see Jesus. i got to see Jesus. He stops and puts on a garment. Now, what do people normally do when they jump in the water? They take things off. This, it, it, it's odd. It, it, it stopped me uh, in studying as, as well. This is what R.C. Sproul says. The Greek text indicates that Peter was naked or close to it. He may have had his outer cloak draped around his body while the disciples were fishing. But when he decided to go to Jesus, he covered himself. But not to keep out the cold. In the Garden of Eden, after Adam and Eve's sin, they tried to cover their nakedness because of their shame under the gaze of the holy God. Now Peter is going to face the Savior. He had denied and betrayed. So he covered himself and plunged into the water. Uh, we don't really know. But we do get the account of John, who is witnessing all this, going, why did he put his cloak on before he jumps in? Before Jesus faces, uh, before Peter faces Jesus, I wonder if he was feeling like Adam, realizing that he was naked and needing to cover his sin in some way. If he's going to Jesus, who's holy and just and, and good, uh, somehow he would have to approach him by, by covering himself, not knowing that Jesus, in that very conversation, will redeem him in this beautiful act of grace. Peter approaches Jesus, and he sees this charcoal fire, and he sees the fish and the bread uh, on the fire. And as he gets closer, I can, just, uh, I can just guess that he smelled the charcoal. He smelled it, and it took him back to that night. He had denied Jesus three times. The, the smell of uh, bringing back this memory of feeling of guilt and shame and that he never would do that and now he has. Is it over? Am I just going to be judged? Feeling very vulnerable. But then Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? This process of, of really to bring him along to see that he is redeeming him and offering him grace, that Peter is not stuck in his sin and shame. Next time Peter would eat fish and bread, next time that Peter would smell the charcoal, he'd, he'd remember that morning, right? The sting of failure and sin and shame had been replaced with redeeming grace. The reminder of that every time he would smell the, the fish on the charcoal fire. And it's a gift offered for you this morning as well. Uh, we've all messed up. We've all denied Jesus. We've all turned away. But Jesus invites us Christmas morning. Come out of your hiding. Give me your brokenness. Give me your sin. Give me your shame. And watch how I wonderfully redeem it through the resurrection of Jesus. Watch him redeem in this graceful act of his death and resurrection. 
It's a beautiful gift of redeeming grace. Here's the second gift. It's the gift of meaningful purpose, a gift of meaningful purpose. There's a gift that Jesus wants to give each one of us that that gives us value and worth in the kingdom of God. You may not feel very valuable or seen or worth anything, but in the kingdom of God, God's giving you this gift. I want to use you. You see, Jesus already had fish and bread uh, on the charcoal fire, right? There was, there was fish and bread already there. But even in the story, uh, he asked Peter, hey, bring some of your fish. But he doesn't need Peter's fish. And I wonder, seeing the fish and the bread, have we seen fish and bread somewhere else? Well, if you were there on that shore and you would have looked just to the left, you would have seen where Jesus fed the 5,000 with fish and bread. Jesus, who can take care of all the needs, who has all the power, all the supply, he could do everything. He doesn't need anyone, but he invites the disciples into that. Remember, how are we going to feed them? He takes this little boy's lunch and divides it up. And he's sitting there at this charcoal fire, and he goes, Peter, bring some of the fish. He doesn't need it, but he's asking him, come on, I have a purpose for you. And then after breakfast, we have this very memorable conversation. Let me read it just one more time. John 21 and verse 15. It says, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Kind of echoing back those words that he said, even if all of these fall away, I will not. Do do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Now, you've probably heard sermons on this before. Uh, there is some interplay of the words that are there for the word for love. Uh, and and that's, that's interesting. But I just want to pull back a little bit and see the big uh, scheme of things in this. We, we know that God is re- redeeming Peter because of the three times denying and then asking him three times. He's patient with him. Uh, but each time he asks him, do you love me? He gives him this charge to uh, feed my lambs. Tend my sheep, feed, feed my, my sheep. In this conversation, Jesus is slowly restoring Peter, but also giving him a purpose, a meaningful purpose. He's basically saying to him, you haven't messed up so far that I can't use you in the kingdom of God. I want to use you. If you love me, if you follow after me, I want to use you in the kingdom. And he gives him these three things. Feed the, feed the lambs, these little ones that have nothing to offer you in return. Feed the ones that are, that are vulnerable and you're not going to get anything from. Give of yourself, Peter, to someone else. Tend the sheep. Care for them. It's not just about information. This is about a loving relationship that you want with them, that you would actually care and, and see their needs met. Not just information. Shepherd. Feed the sheep. Feed the mature who, who you think have all together. Uh, challenge them to press on even more. Give of yourself, Peter, to someone else. Peter's called beyond his sin and failure, and he wants to use him in the kingdom. And that's the gift for you this morning, too. God wants to use you 
in his kingdom as well. He, he has this meaningful purpose for your life that if you would just reach out and take it, uh, it would change everything. God wants to give you this meaningful purpose. Uh, Paul talks about it in 2 Corinthians 2.14. It says, But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one a fragrance from death to death, to the other a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? God's saying you are this fragrance in the world that when they come in contact with you and, they're, and they believe in Jesus and are fallen after them, it's like a beautiful thing. And, and, and for those who don't, it's like, oh, I don't like those people. But, but it's, it's a fragrance that actually points that out to them. It's a gift that they can repent and turn. It's this invitation to come in. And God wants to use you wherever you're at to be that fragrance. Here's the third gift, last gift, the gift of freedom in Christ. There's a gift of freedom in Christ. I want to read this passage, and you'll notice it's bracketed by two uh, times that Jesus tells Peter, follow me, follow me. He, he says, uh, don't worry about the outcome. Don't, don't worry about how it's all going to end. Just follow me. And he says, Peter, don't worry about everyone else and compare yourself to them, and do I have as much as them, or do they have more than me, or, or can I get this from them? Don't worry about that, just follow me. John 21 and verse 18, it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted, but when you're old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, uh, the one who also had leaned back against him during the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? Well, when Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, well, what about this guy? Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remains until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Jesus at first tells Peter just how he's going to die. Hey, this is, what's going, this, is, this is the outcome of your life. This is, what it's, this is how it's going to end. But it takes another 30 years before that happens. Do you know that? 30 years later, he finally, uh, he finally dies. So why tell him at that point? Uh, well, I think it's a gift of freedom. Don't worry about the outcome. Just live every day by following after me. It doesn't matter all that stuff. It was almost as if he was living as a dead man. He knew the outcome. He knew he was going to die. So he lived every day to follow the Lord. There was a freedom in that. Peter, as well, also still had that little sin of comparing. Did you see it? He's like, yeah, but, but what about this guy, uh, Lord? Uh, what about John? And I think he's, he's saying all that to kind of dispel this... Uh, this rumor that had going around as well. But, but Jesus tells Peter, don't worry about him. Keep your eyes on me. Just, just follow after me. Uh, there's this gift of this personal relationship with Jesus that he's, follow, he's calling you to follow him. You to follow him. 
And we think, oh, wouldn't it be great if such and so and so was here to hear this sermon? And Jesus is like, keep your eyes on me. You keep your eyes on me. Don't worry about all those other people. You follow me. God is calling you to follow him no matter what anyone else is doing or what they have or don't have. He's calling you into this personal relationship. Well, I don't know if you can see it. There's a fire crackling on the shores of Galilee. There's a smell of charcoal in the air. There's a fish on the fire. It's the place where Peter grew up. I mean, he knows this place. He just looks around and is reminded of, uh, of all the bad things he's done, the good times, all of his mistakes. And sitting by this charcoal fire, he's offered these three wonderful gifts. A redeeming grace, a meaningful purpose, and freedom in Christ. This was the best Christmas ever for Peter. The greatest gifts he'd ever receive. Salvation and freedom, forgiveness of his sin and guilt and shame, and all of it marked by this fish and charcoal. It set the course for the rest of his life. And those same gifts are on offer for everyone this morning. You just have to receive them. Uh, you don't have to pay it back. It's a gift. If it's already been paid for. It's a gift for you. And as we come to, to Christmas, it's one of those holidays where we remember the sights and the smells and the traditions as we set up the trees and get out old uh, pictures and uh, light candles and, and bake lots of things. And the reminders come flooding back. Maybe there's a reminder of maybe someone's missing around the tree this Christmas. Maybe there's a reminder of the mistakes or the, the dashed dreams from this last year around the tree. But my prayer for you this morning, that this would be a year that you fully accept these beautiful gifts of Jesus, the greatest gifts you could ever receive new meaning and purpose, freedom in your life. But you have to let go of your sin and your brokenness, your rebellion. You have to turn from that with open hands and, and receive these free gifts from Jesus who already paid for them for each one of you. Let's pray and then we'll worship a little more. Lord, thank you so much for the reminder of uh, gifts at Christmas time and the greatest gifts that you could receive. And Lord, I pray that the, the sights and the smells of Christmas would remind us of the forgiveness that we have in you and the greatest gifts that you have given. How you've taken our sin and shame and, and guilt and brokenness and rebellion. And Lord, and we turn to you and, and come out of hiding and give them to you that you can totally redeem them in your grace through the death and resurrection of your son. And Lord, I pray that uh, you would allow all of us to experience that, that love and grace this Christmas, that with open hands we would receive the gifts that you have given. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us for this message from Hollyview Church. We invite you to join us in person for our worship service every Sunday morning at 1030. You can find us on Southeast 257th Avenue, just off of Highway 212, between Boring and Damascus, Oregon, or find us online at hollyviewchurch.com. Together, we are being shaped by the gospel, rooted in God's word to share God's grace and truth. Again, whether online or in person, 
thank you for joining us here at Hollyview Church.